Oh my gosh. Whoa. What Whoa. just happened? Oh. Hey, 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 I got a question. I got a question to open the show for everybody. What's the question? When is the last time the Panthers and the Hornets played on the same day and both won? 1992. <laughs> 97, maybe. <laughs> the answer is never. Never. <laughs> never. The Panthers and the Hornets both win today. Who expected that to happen? Raise your hand. Not me. Not yes. me. Look, we both, we all, you know, it's, we're I right. Double we are right a lot of the time on under construction, but we were wrong about today. And I have never been more glad to be wrong. <laughs> happy to be wrong today. More than happy to be wrong today. Man, I'm telling you, man. Look, you remember, you remember uh, back in the uh, offseason when uh, Terry and Gordon Hayward were uh, overpaid? Fun yeah, time. yeah. Oh, remember yeah. that? Fun times. 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 Uh, deal in the league, and then the next year they said the Gordon Haywood deal was the worst deal in the league. Remember, remember that? Hey, hey, guys, where's what? Where, where's Dwayne Dedman? Where, where's he at these days? Yeah, what's, what's he doing? What, what's, what's DeAndre Jordan doing these days, guys? Because remember, they were those contracts are not as worse as Gordon Haywood's contract. I don't know if y'all remember that or not, but yeah. oh well, well, we'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. All right, we'll get to that later. But uh, earlier today, our Carolina Panthers. Came through with a very boring twenty to thirteen win versus the Washington Football Team and uh, Mr. Ron Rivera. Uh, so, Kaz, I'm gonna start with you. So, what impressed you most about the game? Did you um, say a whole so, game? Well, we've been talking about this for weeks about how the defense was gonna be okay. You know, everyone. Uh, you know, it's easy to look at both or all phases of the game and say, well, the Panthers just – we just need to be better on defense because that's a fair assessment. But really the, the issue was that you the defense was young. All of our draft picks last year were the defensive guys. We just had a bunch of rookies starting. We lost Luke Keatley. Uh Shaq Thompson and Dante Jackson were really like the only vets. It was going to just take some time for them to gel, and now we see what's happening. So the offense has to hold up their end of the bargain, right? Yeah. They're not. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say because it, it wasn't this game, but yeah. No points in the second half. Washington almost came back and won the game. If it hadn't been for some big defensive and special team performances, uh, the Panthers uh, would have lost. But we saw – I was I didn't want to see Brian Burns out there, but I was glad – that he said, I'm out of pride. I'm gonna go out there. I'm gonna play, and you know, and he he did his he did his thing out there. He didn't have like a spectacular game, but the, the defense as a whole had a great game, and that's something to good to look forward to. You're like, okay, I think this defense is gonna work out. Now, offense, and if I if you had told me at the beginning of the season the Panthers will have a thousand yard running back and two thousand yard wide receivers, there's no way I would think our record would be. Five wins. Yeah. So, Jamal, what did you think about the game today, man? Um, I want to say first and foremost, man, my dog, Kaza Sose, is Negro Damas. Because he told y'all <laughs> two months ago that the defense was not the problem, and everybody looked at Kaza like he had two heads. Yeah. Look, this game was a perfect example. Now, I always like to give credit where credit is due. Washington does have a stout defense. Their corners are pretty good. I, I was actually pretty impressed with the job Washington corners that did today. And, you, and look, man, look, look. Guys, we got to be fair on this show, man. Chase Young, he he solidified and he won his defensive rookie, play, rookie of the year. And look, that's going to piss off Panther Nation. It is what it is, man. Jeremy Chen didn't really have a great game today. I, I mean, we got to call a spade a spade, man. But back to just overall thoughts on, on the game, man. Um, you know, I, I I thought the defense, they, they played as well as they could. I thought our offense put them in a in a really bad position to kind of uh, carry them. I mean, look what Taylor Heineke did when he came in the game. And that's that's just putting the defense in a tough position. You're facing a quarterback. I'm <laughs> Yeah, I know. Right, right. We're talking about Taylor Heineke. I, I, right, right. But 
it's putting the defense in, the, in a bad position when you have a new quarterback that I know they didn't game plan for. And, you know, all game I said, you know, this score is too close for my liking. We kept letting the Redskins hang around and hang around and hang around. The football and, team. The football team. Uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. We kept letting the football oh, yeah. team hang around and hang around. And now you got a new quarterback coming to the game that you didn't game plan for, and you almost blew the game, man. So I give major props to the defense as well, man. They they won the game for us today. So, guys, I, I'm actually going to pivot because there's not much to talk about uh, with the Panthers. <laughs> uh, quick question. I got, I, got, I got an honest question. Are you guys upset that we slipped to the ninth position in, 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 in the, on the draft board, or you're just excited for a win and development? I'll take this for first, man. I, I, I'm i sticking to what I said last week. I, w- I wanted to see this team play with professionalism. The defense did that. The defense did enough to win us the game. And it's way more important to me that, th- that this young team build a culture of winning and being professional instead of just tanking for draft picks. And, I, and y- you know, y'all know my, my stance on this topic is always the same. I cannot stand when – you know, I, I just – I don't see – I don't ever see a, a team looking at each other saying, you know what, man, that you know that Panay Sewell looks really good, man. I, I'm going to go out here and hot dog it today. That, that's just silly. It's just it, – it doesn't register with me that players are going to go out there and purposely lose a game anyway, man. So I'm not that upset. And one more specific reason I'm not upset is because my guy, who I really, really want, I think he's going to be there anyway. So it doesn't really upset – and uh, what's his name? Michael Parsons, man. I, I'm really, I'm high on Michael Parsons, but and I don't think he's going to be in top five range anyway. So I'm really not that, that upset either way. So you don't want to draft a quarterback? I mean, I don't want to stretch. For, uh, the thing here's the thing, Rodney. Like, if it, if it's not your boy Trevor, I don't. I'm not high on Fields or whoever. I'm really not, man. So if it wasn't Trevor Lawrence, which we were never in the running for, eh, I'm cool. What about you, Kaiser? Uh, no. Oh, now with Marty Herney gone, the ninth pick is not as as uh, enticing as it would normally be in the NFL because you have so many positions and so many players. You know the difference between like ninth and fourth, which is what the Panthers would be if they had lost, isn't that big. The, I mean, for the most part, you already know who you want. If it's a QB, he's available, or he's not. It's not a big deal. I will say, however, though, that whoever our new GM is, they're going to have to really do their homework to get a good pick at ninth, I think. Whereas, uh, I mean, our last ninth round, our number nine pick was who? Luke Higley. Higley, yeah. 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 I think he had a pretty good career. So yeah, you know, he, did. he was pretty decent. And, 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 and he, he wasn't a sexy choice either. Yeah, no, he fans was mad that we picked the white guy from Boston College. People were upset, uh, and I think we came out good on that one. So that's the only <laughs> thing. But, but for the most part, I'm not upset about. I, I'd rather celebrate a win, even though it was a lackluster, boring win. But we got to see good things from the defense, and you know, it just made the night. Especially what happened. At the Spectrum Center later, it kind of just made the day that much more special. I'm I'm good with the Panthers winning. I got a true or false question. True or false? We would have lost the game if Taylor Heineke would have started. False. False. I mean, true. We, no, <laughs> it it would have been a tighter first half, but we would have had to have adjusted to him. Just, just kind of seeing him play out there. And then, I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say false. I'm going to say false. I'm uh, going to say true, man. I, look, I'm, I'm teetering between the two because on one hand, you know, like I may mention just a few minutes ago, okay, Taylor Heine comes in, in the second half. We don't game plan for that dude. Uh, you know what I mean? Like defensive usually struggle when they have to uh, face a, a brand-new quarterback who, had, who they had no game plan for. So on one hand, I say, eh, Maybe so. Now, if he starts a game, it's a little different because we gotta, We know he's starting. You know what I mean? And like Rodney said, you know, we at least see two quarters of him and we can make proper adjustments. But my first thought, which I'm going to go with, is true. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and another thing to take into, into consideration is 
how aggressive were we up by two touchdowns? Yeah, then there's that. that point. So that's why I'm leaning to more, more so toward false. But I got another true false for you. Dwayne Haskins has played his last game. True, of the true, 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 true. <laughs> He's. Lo- I was shocked he played today, considering what we know about Ron Rivera. Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw him sit Cam Newton for a game, or I'm sorry, he didn't sit him for the game. He didn't start him because he didn't wear a tie or something. Remember that? Yeah, uh, something crazy. Right, right, right. Yeah, something stupid. That's the kind of coach Ron Rivera is. So you ha- and, and this is much, much worse than not wearing a tie. You know, you broke a league policy, a very important one. You went out, you possibly exposed your teammates and whoever else to. COVID-19, I was like absolutely surprised. You know, you, you strip him of his captain title. I was surprised he, he started the game. And, and on top of that, Kaza, like, you know, man, I, I also think it sends a really bad message to the rest of that team, man. Especially yeah. when they, when those guys are fighting for a playoff spot. They're fighting for the division. I it, it, it's, it just makes it that much more puzzling because you have your quarterback who's who was supposedly your captain and your leader who goes out and he does and he does you know the dumbest thing you can possibly think of and he's not punished for it what message does that send to the rest of your team especially in this particular situation man so it i'm really puzzled by that decision yeah. I, I just knew we were going to see another quarterback today well, I, I but, but, I gotta, but have y'all ever been to stadium in DC man like the views are just awesome. Oh stop, like, oh, stop it. Oh, stop it. I think if, uh, if Taylor Heineke had started, though, he would have had practice reps. That's and, true. And I, I, I'll, just, I'll just say, if he had started, the offense could not get away with not scoring in the second half. They would have at least had to put up a field goal. Um, you know, the defense would have played well, and I think the score probably would have been close to what it was anyway, but the offense – you can't be that anemic in the second half. Yeah. You just can't. Yeah, speaking of anemic offense, so we're asking about Washington's quarterback. What about ours, guys? Uh, is next week Teddy Bridgewater's last week as a Carolina no, Panther? No. I, honestly, man, whether we draft a quarterback or not, he's the bridge to the next guy. Yeah. No pun intended. No pun intended. So he's going to get – He's going to get time next year, and we should be a better team next year. And to me, he's not that guy, but he'll be functional next year if you get what I'm saying. Like, no doubt. Less risk. Less yeah. risk. So, yeah, he's going to be like – you guys remember – I say a, a, a ghost from the past name. You guys remember Aaron Brooks? Absolutely. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Aaron Brooks was the bridge between who they had before and Drew Brees. You yeah. know, they they had faith in him, and Aaron Brooks was by no means a bad quarterback. He was a solid NFL starter. He had some good seasons with the Saints, but he wasn't Drew Brees. And then when they got they got Drew Brees, and that was their franchise guy. I can see Teddy Bridgewater being the same thing. He's going to be a, a solid, you know, NFL starter for us. But then when we have a chance to either bring in a big free agent, which is unlikely, big free agent quarterback, or, you know, the hot new, uh, whoever the hot uh, prospect is, we're going to jump on it, and that will be the end of Teddy Bridgewater's time here at Carolina. I got I got a quick question, and I promise y'all I do not want to spend a lot of time on this question. Let me make that very clear. How do y'all feel about the Saints winning the division for the fourth straight year? Now, I'm asking this with a purpose. What does that mean? to us going forward. This is where I'm going with that question. So, um, To me, it means that we just got to jumpstart on the rebuild, on the retool. Uh, New Orleans is old. Drew Brees looks like a shell of himself. Uh, they're going to have to figure out that quarterback situation next year. I mean, I, I don't think Taysom Hill's the guy, per se, the, the franchise guy, so they're going to have to figure out that situation. Maybe it's Teddy. Um also, uh, Atlanta. Be ironic? Atlanta's falling apart. I mean, they they don't they they can't close the game to save their life. Uh, they'll probably hit the reset button soon, and, and we don't know how long uh, T- Tampa Tom has. So, I mean, it's we're basically set up within the next 
two to three years to go on another run, another, another three-peat run like we did before. Right. Kaz, what you got? Yeah, I, I echo what Rodney says. I don't put too much stock into New Orleans winning the division because they're not going to win the Super Bowl. They're just not. No. They're not, they're not better than Seattle, Green Bay, or, you know, they're barely better. Or Kansas City. In, yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah, we didn't even got some AFC teams. So, that's, I mean, great feat. Congrats to those guys. Um, but this is kind of going to be weird to say for the <laughs> South after years and years of being – one of the strongest, maybe the strongest division in football, that is no longer the case. We're they are a very the NFC South is a very average division now. So yeah. weekend, you know, a team like the Saints, which has been the only consistent team in the NFC South. That that is why they are that's why they win the division. They have consistency. Sean Payton's been their quarterback for like a million years now. Yeah. You know, um yeah. You know, they just have – they've had the same staff. They're like the Pittsburgh Steelers of the NFC. So, mm. th- that consistency is going to, <laughs> you know, carry them through these times when the division is weak. And when you see with teams like the Patriots, AFC East has been a crap division forever, but they've been consistent. Yeah. So, once – and we talked about this last week. Tepper wants consistency out of the franchise. Panthers have never been consistent. We build that consistency. We'll be just like the Saints – in a few years, we were, we almost were, but we just couldn't stay consistent. Sometimes things don't work out. And Rodney, go ahead, man. Go ahead. So uh, there's a question in our chat. Yeah, I want I want your perspectives. So one let, let's all answer this question. Let, okay. Let's all answer this. Yeah, yeah. One question: What's with the dislike toward Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater within the Panthers fan base? I'll start. <laughs> He's the guy after the guy. Pretty much. There you go. <laughs> and then on top of that, he messed up by answering back to trolls on Twitter. And that shows some type of vulnerability on his part that he actually sees what you said. And a lot of the F-150 crowd uh, wanted Cam out of there. And so they were particularly rooting for Teddy to be this the guy because they see him as safe. I'm just leaving it at that. Um, I'm going to answer my question very similarly. Um, just like Roddy said, he's the guy after the guy. And Teddy Bridgewater is someone I would like compared to like, it's, it's kind of like he's just an innocent bystander. You know, yeah. Teddy, got, Teddy got hit with bullets and he's just standing out there in the corner not doing nothing. He, he, he wasn't involved. You know what I mean? Um, for all, I, I think you have to understand, to understand that question, you have to understand how passionate people were about Cam Newton on both sides. You either passionately hated the guy or you passionately loved the guy. The people who passionately loved the guy were constantly at war with the people who hate, with the people who hated him. So it's hardly about Teddy Bridgewater himself. It's about the civil war between the Cam guys and the anti-Cam guys. And that's basically what it came down to as far as fandom goes. Teddy is what he is. At least according to these three gentlemen on the show, Teddy has shown that he is what we've always said he is, which is a stopgap quarterback. Look, look. Well, hold on. Let me – hold on. I, I'll, I'll take it in a slightly different direction because all that is true. Essentially, the Cam Newton fallout is affects the way people feel about Teddy Bridgewater. It's hard to be objective about that if you felt some kind of way about Cam. However – do you miss Kimball Walker tonight? No. 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 Why? Because the guy the after guy, the guy. The guy to replace the guy stepped up. And the Teddy guy who is falling, right? So if Teddy Bridgewater was very Rogier-like, I think fans would gravitate to him more. But he's not. That's the problem. Cam could – even when Cam was having a bad game, he could single-handedly win the game – for the Panthers, he could backpack the team and win. Terry Ro- or, or, or Teddy Bridgewater has not shown the ability to do that. In fact, it's the been stats, the stats show that he can't. You're right. It's been the complete opposite. When the game is on the line and we, and the team says, "Okay, Teddy, lead us to the promised land," then he he doesn't. He'll do something. You know, he'll probably fumble. He'll the fumble throw check down. That's those are your options. Okay, <laughs> and and I think you know. Uh, 
Winning solves all ills. And if he can't win, then the fans will never accept him. They, I don't, I don't, and I don't, the, the idea that the rest of the team is bad. A lot of people are saying that. Well, if we had Trevor Lawrence, he'd be better. I don't buy that. You know why? Because let's look at Drew Brees, okay? Someone who Teddy tried to emulate when he was in. There were years the Saints were terrible. Look at Drew Brees' numbers those years. He was he was an MVP candidate, yeah, when the Saints were only winning five games. He was doing everything he could to try and help the Saints win, and they couldn't because the team was bad. It's not like that with Carolina. Um, I think if, if the Panthers were winning and Teddy was doing his part, the fans would embrace him. But he's not, yeah. so he's Cam's replacement. Yeah. That sounds so bad. You're just Cam's replacement, dude. Yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, this kind of just what it is, man. There was a third and, a third and eight at one point in the game, and it was like on the 45-yard line, and I knew. I was like, They're just gonna, he's just going to throw a check down. He's going to dump it off, basically. Curtis yeah. Daniel had been hot, and I, I, I knew it, and if I knew it, then the Redskins knew it, and sure enough, he threw it, and they tackled him for two yards. And then they went for it on fourth down. So I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, look. Ahead, Roddy. No, I, I was just going to say, man, like you have this dynamic of two totally different quarterbacks in every single way, in every single shape, form, or fashion, man. You got one quarterback who pretty much lays low. You're not talking about his clothes every damn week. You know, he, he he doesn't have an Instagram page with weird uh, 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 letters on his on his Instagram stories. You know what I mean? And then you had Cam Newton, who was the flashy guy, but he was also kind of more of a, a risk taker on and off the field. You know what I mean? Cam was Cam was going to go out there and try to win you the game. He was going to put you on his back like we've all alluded to. And Teddy Bridgewater is not that. So you just have this dynamic of just two different guys and two different fan, two different sets of fans who who want what they want out of their quarterback, which is why I'm talking about the Civil War. So there you have it. <laughs> All right, let's let's get the offensive, defensive MVP, so we can talk about the highlight of the night. <laughs> All right, so, no, no, no. I, I I got a question. Final question. This kind of transitions into the offseason. Do we pay Curtis Samuel? Mm. I think you have to, man. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm pretty – look, I was going back and forth with that all season. I'm, I'm, I am set on paying Curtis Samuel, man. I, I, I say you got to. He, I think he, he's become that much more important, especially if Chris McCaffrey is just going to play five games a season. If it's going to be like that, then you really got to pay Curtis Samuel. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I think, I think you got to because what's going to happen is other teams are going to look at – the, the developmental steps he made this season, right? And they're going to make offers. So so what do you do? I mean, that that's just the way it goes. We may even have to overpay for him to stay here. Uh, but I like, the, you know, we always joke about, for like the past three years, or two, two three years, we've been joking about Curtis Samuel, uh, training camp MVP. Well, he that has translated to being a solid wide receiver this season. Probably, you know, probably one of the most reliable pass catchers on the team now. So uh, I, I really think you gotta you gotta pay, or at least see what the market is. You know, if it's if it's extravagant, then I feel like Curtis Samuel, you could let him go if a team let, willing to like. Speaking of I I think we're all in agreement that he is the uh, offensive MVP this week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So so who's the defensive MVP? Before I say that, I just I, I want to say one more thing about Curtis Samuel. And I won't be too long with it about this man. I think Curtis Samuel has shown that he he may be just as dynamic as Christian McCaffrey. No, I'm not saying he's better. I don't want anybody to go get their panties in the bunch making comparisons. But I, I'm he's shown that he's just as dynamic and he's just as important to the Panthers' offense. I saw something on Twitter where someone said, "Well, Joe Brady kind of made Curtis Samuel." Eh. Uh, uh, maybe he put him in better position to be successful. I'm not going to go as far as said he made him successful this season. It looked like Curtis Samuel put in work. His hands were better. His run, his route running was better. He did everything better. So you got to give that young man credit, man. So I just wanted to 
That's my final parting shot on Curtis Samuel, man. <laughs> Offensive MVPs. I mean, defensive MVPs. I don't know, man. I'll go Brian Burns. He played hurt. He was questionable. He had a sack and a hit today. Did his consistency is what the Panthers need. He was his same consistent self that he's been the last few weeks. I am going to go Derek Brown. Um, what he did is not going to show up in the Ooh. stats this week, man. But I just thought that dude was just – he, he, he was in Haskins' face a lot today, man. If he wasn't in his face, he was batting balls down. And he kind of made things happen, man. So I'm, I'm going to go Derrick Brown this week. I'm going to go Shaq Thompson, man. Uh, heard his name a lot, man. Flying around the field, directing traffic. Nine tackles a day. Way to step up. Oh, one more question, man. Look, you, you guys might hate me for this. So I want to know, am I tripping or am, am, I, am I just hearing things? So uh, – I saw a list of potential head coaching candidates, and uh, Joe Brady was on that list. Why? <laughs> I I have nothing. I, I, I let, let me be, before I even try to answer that question. I'm going to counter your question with the question: Was Eric Bieniemy on that list? No. Let's move on. I have nothing. Then I have nothing to add to that. Go okay, ahead, guys. Right. No, it's 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 just. That's just the media putting a name out, a recognizable name. Everybody knows Joe Brady. Uh, everyone knows what he did in the college ranks. And so, of course, his name is just going to be on those lists by default. I'd be shocked if any team was serious about, especially looking at the Panthers' offense this season. You couldn't possibly be like, well, that, yeah, that's the guy we want. I, I don't I don't know. I, mean, I don't get I mean, it. I mean, other than having fresh fades, uh, going to no Greece, maybe. I mean, I don't know. But uh, look, man, something oh, yeah. important happened tonight. Something if, important if happened Joe tonight. Brady, if Joe Brady gets a head coaching job for Eric Bieniemy, I'm done with the NFL. Y'all, I won't even do these sections here anymore. I'll just wait. Like, okay, we're gonna break guys and we're talking NBA. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Ronnie, you was gonna say something? Yeah. Look, man, something important happened tonight. Um, your Kings, Kyrie and KD, lost to the bottom feeders, bottom feeders, Charlotte Hornets tonight, and the very overpaid Gordon Hayward <laughs> dropped twenty eight seven and five, and um, the overpaid SOB uh, Terry Rozier had a poster on the Golden Child, Kevin Durant. <laughs> you think they talked to the media tonight? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Did they? Kyrie must have ran out of sage. Uh, <laughs> it must have been incense. Yeah, has never been good to Kyrie because Kimba used to bust his ass when he used to come here. Ooh, they don't talk about that though. Yeah, but, that. yeah, they don't want to mention that. So, and, and here's what shocked me about tonight's win: not so much that we won. I actually thought the Hornets would be competitive into the fourth, and then because that's when the stars would take over Kyrie and KD. And that almost almost happened, but luckily yeah. it did. But physically, the Hornets just bullied the Nets. I was shocked. Absolutely. I was shocked. Hey, man, let me cut you off. Dude, Bismack Biombo is – he might not be the MVP, but he was the MIP today. That dude battled his – Ass off tonight, man. Big props to Bismack Biombo tonight, man. But go ahead, Kaiser. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, man. You look. like Toronto Biz. Uh, we were joking uh, in, in our chat <laughs> that he needed to channel that inner African, and he did, especially in the fourth quarter. Had a huge block on Kyrie Irving that really probably saved the game. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, I was, but I was just surprised physically. Miles Bridges was not afraid of on, on either end of the court. Terry Rozier was not afraid of Kyrie Irving. Um, I mean, it just I love the aggressiveness. I guess they were just like, look, we got nothing to lose. This is the Brooklyn Nets. They've already been anointed uh, the Eastern Conference champions. Let's just go out there and ball. And um, and I, I was just a uh, just the effort, just the effort. Yeah. yeah. Let, me, let me tell you, let me tell you what a thing that stood out to me: thirty-five assists on forty-three baskets. Ball movement is key. I mean, we don't have a we don't have a, a, a Kyrie or a KD level type player. We have to do it collectively as a group. And mm -hmm. and 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 also, man, I I love the way P 
PJ has showed up the past two games. Old girl was like, look, you might not get a second contract. You need to step it up. And if you don't get a second contract, I'm leaving. And Who's so, old girl? I'm not saying no name. <laughs> Uh, yeah, PJ, uh, I, I feel like there's been more effort. He's really trying. It's not always translating to uh, points, but I think it's translating to impact. He didn't have a he, he 14 and 12 today, uh, 14 points, 12 rebounds, but it, it, it was an ugly 14 and 12. He had to yeah. work for those points, especially I, I still think the experiment with him in the five is just not going to work. I know Borrego loves small ball. That's something he learned from Popovich, but it, it's just not going to work with PJ um, at the five. He, it, it's just not going to work. But having said that, he's made some adjustments and he's just decided to get in there and do the dirty work because that's what you got to do when you're playing the five. You got to get dirty. And I think PJ just wasn't willing to get dirty before, but he got dirty tonight and uh, it translated to a win. I, I have to say this, man. Wait, before you go, man. I, I have to say this. We 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 all owe PJ Washington a slight apology because you know the first, <clears throat> I mean, not even first, man, but even during the preseason. During the preseason and even the first couple and even the first game of this season, at least I was like, man, what in the world what in the world is wrong with this boy, man? Like, I don't know who this new girl is, but um they need to have a talk because PJ PJ looked like like the monsters zapped his energy during the summer. Like that's how bad he looked in the preseason up until the first game. But looking at tonight's game and even and even the game against the Thunder, we lost. Man, PJ Washington was a lot more active. Um, he was a lot more physical, man, and he played a really big role tonight, man. Even and one thing that stood out, one thing that I was very impressed with PJ, even though like he would miss shots like at the rim. And you could, and in the past, you could tell that would have frustrated him, and he would have stopped giving effort on the other end. I didn't see that tonight, man, and I didn't see that during the Thunder either, man. So that's an encouraging sign when I saw what I saw. I mean, I look. I guess your coach calling you out for your lack of condition and your shitty play can't help flip things around really quick. Right. Borrego is a terrible coach. You didn't know that. Can we can we please talk about this, please? Look, look, look. We're under five hundred. Borrego is missing bunnies. He's not. Uh, he's not making a defensive rotation. Missed, missed free throws late. He he missed twelve free throws against the Thunder. Yeah. He's not embracing the inner African of these guys, and they're not bringing their warrior mentality. Look, man, Mark Jackson got to be the coach, man. We got look, we got some guys. In case anybody watching doesn't know, this is straight sarcasm, but but if you don't know, man, but I want to talk about. Borrego and Ball, because y'all know this is about to be annoying as hell. Uh, listen, this is the part of the Hornet season. I, I just had look as far as in, engaging with fans and, and talking to different fans about Borrego and Lamella Ball. I'm sitting this one out. I can't take it. I am not going to be able to take it this season. Fans, listen to me. Whether you are watching this right now or you listen to the podcast, we are three games into the season. Hear what I say very carefully. Calm y'all ass down. All right? Please. Look, look please, okay? Uh, specifically with the OKC game, you got a lot of fans who were calling for James Borrego's job game two of the season. LaMelo Ball plays, what, 15 minutes? Now, do I think he should have played more minutes? I do. I, I, I don't think he should have paid 35, but he definitely should have got more than 15 minutes. I get it, guys. But here's what I want y'all to understand. James Borrego has successfully developed Devontae Graham. He is still developing the Martin twins. He knows what he's doing. It's game two, y'all. He's a rookie. LaMelo has still has to figure out the NBA game. I don't care if he hit three shots in one quarter. He still has to figure out what it means to be successful in the NBA, and you got to be patient, y'all. Yeah, I mean, look, man, people take it as he is a finished product and not realize he's, but he's 19. He's still raw, like, like, he, like, 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 we can all see he, he's oozing with potential, but he's raw. And, and then you, you got to add on top of that, there was no really, there was only four preseason games, there was no offseason workouts, and it's just, it's the season's actually kind of rushed. 
And so he needs this time to actually develop. I say by the second half of the season, he'll be up to around 25, 30 minutes a game, close to it. I mean, he played 20 minutes tonight, played pretty well, uh, six points, five rebounds, five assists, pretty good. I mean, it's nothing that you can, like, bitch about tonight. Like, he he did what he's supposed to do, but Rego let him play with – let him play and let let him actually play through his mistakes tonight. Look, man, we I'll let you go, Kaz, in one second. Let me just say this real quick. We live in an instant grit society. Fans want what they want right now. They they don't want to wait. They don't want. There's no process. There's no development. We picked him third. He should be out there averaging the triple double and starting. I mean, that's how fans are really th- thinking right now. You get what I'm saying? And just like Riley said, man, this is not a finished product yet. He's he's one of the. I think he may be the youngest player in the draft, if not one or one or two or something like that, man. So you just got to be patient, y'all. Because go ahead, man. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're good. Um, and this is I'm gonna Vince asked a question about Mont being in the doghouse and Sherrod Gary asked about Graham and Burgess performance. So I'm gonna like you know consolidate all that because my question whenever says someone says hey such and such needs more playing time I say well whose playing time do you take away in the case of Lamelo Ball first of all Devonte Graham has earned the right to be a starting guard for the Charlotte Hornets based on his play from last season you don't yank him after two games for the rookie when when Devontae Graham put in the work. This guy went back and forth to the G League. He put in the work to be a starting guard in the NBA. He deserves a start. Secondly, Terry Rozier is the best player on the team probably right now. Uh, you can pick I don't know. Gordon Hayward would have a, would have a word with you. Yeah. Regardless, you're not you don't you're not gonna sit him. He's certainly not yeah. gonna sit him for no. another ball. So where's Ball running his minutes? He's got he's just got to come off the bench and develop right now. Later in the season, and now if I had if I had to pick, if you held a gun to my head, I'd say, okay, Graham is kind of struggling. Uh maybe you put more minutes. Yeah. Um, but I'm not worried about Lamelo Ball's development six five five in twenty minutes is actually really really good too. And, and plus, on top of this, man, don't y'all think people make too big of a deal out of who starts? Is because yeah. because basically it's about number one who's finishing, number two you're gonna get minutes anyway. It doesn't matter whether you're starting or you're coming off the bench. Minutes are minutes. You know what I mean? And rookies gotta earn minutes, just like Kaza said. Are we just forgetting about what Devontae Graham did last year? So we're just going to throw him to the side. Fans, if y'all want to be mad at somebody, James Borrego ain't the guy to be mad at. If you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at at, at Mitch Kupchak. Because Mitch Kupchak told y'all, I don't care about roster composition. I'm going to pick the best player available. So if you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at Mitch Kupchak. Yeah. No, Michael Jordan, he's the GM. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. The wizard of all things. Yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I do feel like um, you know, there's a, a lot of chatter, and I'm kind of on this train about Miles Bridges starting. Like, should he start? Because he's been playing more consistency. I think he's actually playing a little better than than PJ is. However, I'll, I'll say this: it that's a tough matter. one. It doesn't matter if if Miles starts; he just got to get his minutes. That's what matters. Mm-hmm. And right. because I really, I know people, there'll be some talk about the rotations. But any rotation that has bridges and ball on it, the impact on the floor is undeniable. Those two have no this chemistry, okay. and, and I'd hate to break that up just for so Miles can start, like technically start the game. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to me. And I and a lot of people, I don't know if people miss this or not, the Borrego haters ain't going to say anything about this. But you guys notice. Gordon Hayward, the the lineup that he was on on the floor was mostly bench players. Whenever whenever Kyrie and KD were off the floor, that's when Gordon Hayward came out because he knew mm-hmm. I got to get points up while those guys from are on somewhere. The right. Gordon Hayward was only a plus one today, despite having twenty eight points, and that's because of the other players who he, he was on. Right away, yeah. Kaza, let me talk to that point real quick because at the point and i believe it was maybe early in the fourth quarter where gordon haywood was out there with the bench guys here's what i was worried about you know i said at that point these are important minutes while durant and irvin are on the bench so we go on the run and we go up 10 we we take full advantage of durant. Point. 
Right, 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 right. And we take full advantage of them being on the bench. But what, what I was what but what I was worried about was what's gonna happen when when Hayward goes back to the bench and Durant and Irvin come back in the game. Well, they ultimately cut it to two. Now, you gotta give James Borrego his props tonight because he kind of he gambled, but he gambled correctly because we won the damn game, okay? He managed everybody's minutes, at least in my eyes. He managed it perfectly in the fourth quarter. LaMelo Ball was out there playing crunch time minutes. Devontae Graham was on the floor when it mattered. And this is what I want fans to start looking at every game. Don't look at who starts the game. Look at who finishes the game. That's what's important, man. The, the best players were out there. You have Miles out there. And then he got he got Gordon Haywood his breather. Because yeah, he, yeah, right. he was going to have to bring him back in. So he got him a little two-minute breather. And a lot of people are mad uh, at Borrego during the the, uh, the game against uh, Cleveland for mismanaging timeouts. A lot of people – I don't know if people understand that the coaches don't always call a timeout because the, the refs get to call television timeouts. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times when – you know, after there's a big scoring run and there's a timeout, a lot of times the coaches don't call that. The refs actually call that. So Borrego knows if there's – if there's a television timeout coming up in the next minute, why are you wasting your timeout for whatever reason? Those are things NBA coaches, you know, those of you that coach like a little church league or whatever, that's some stuff y'all ain't got to worry about. Uh, in the NBA, yeah, coaches have to be aware of, and, and they have to be aware of that, you know, to make sure everyone gets their minutes in. So, so, so guys, yeah. guys, guys, I, I, I have a quote for you, for you. Tell me, I'm, st- I'm sorry, I'm still laughing at Cosby. I'm sorry. Man. <laughs> Go ahead, man. I'm sorry. Tell me if you agree or not. The easy and least, the easy and lazy thing to do with a young team is to blame coaching. When the team, when when teams rebuild, you're throwing young guys into heavy NBA minutes early into their career. Growing pains are part of the process. Progress is not linear. Patience is a virtue. Long view in the room. This is from Jack Duffy. Who covers the Hornets from SI? What do you guys think of that 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 statement? He is one hundred percent spot on, and what makes that exponentially true is we're dealing with a very unique season. Obviously, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I want y'all to to think about something, man. We have this compressed season where we're trying to squeeze in a bunch of games in a relatively short amount of time. Okay, we have these weird things happening in the early NBA. We got beat by a, a, a damn G League team a couple of nights ago. The Clippers lost by 50 today. The Knicks are currently up on the Bucks. Why am I bringing all this up? Because we are very early in a very unique season. Crazy things are going to happen. I, and I say this because of not just James Borrego. We're talking about James Borrego, but we can easily include every single coach in the NBA right now. There are a lot of coaches in the NBA who don't really know the identity of their team right now. Yeah. And that's not going to happen until game 20 or game 30. So these overreactions in game three of the season, they're fruitless, man. They are so fruitless right now because of this very unique situation that the entire NBA is in. A lot of us didn't have training camp. You know, we got all this COVID stuff going on, man. So – Say the, the hot takes and overreactions, you got to just save them until game 20 or game 30 when, when teams are really used to each other and they're used to this really brutal schedule that we got going on. Yeah, I, I, I mean, if, if it's the coach's fault, it's the coach's fault. But it's that's an easy fallback. I agree. It's, it's kind of a lazy take. Given the context of the league and the Charlotte Hornets, you know, and just, you know, everything with the franchise, it's just such such a lazy take. I don't see how you can look at the Hornets said, hey, we hired James Borrego because our primary focus was player development. I don't think anyone can look at the Charlotte Hornets and say that they have not accomplished those goals of developing their young players. They took Devontae Graham, made him an NBA starter. Uh, I think Miles is coming along just fine. We'll see on on PJ, I, I, I think they're good on the player development front. Borrego clearly knows his X's and O's. He studied under possibly, possibly. the greatest coach, you know, certainly of the last two decades. 
Um, you know, and that leaves, you know, player management and game situational management. And, those, and that is things that Coach Borrego has to learn. And sometimes he does make mistakes. And it's fair to criticize him for those mistakes. But you cannot pile everything on him because, I mean, take take tonight. We knew the Nets were going to come back. We knew it. Everybody knew it. We just waiting for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving to come back into the game. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So Borrego's really – the only thing he had to do is make sure the team was settled and focused and ready for that, and he clearly, clearly did that. He cannot control P.J. Washington missing two clutch free throws at the end of the game that would have sealed the game. And, you know, we almost lost because he missed him. He can't, he can't control things like that. So fans have to put – you got to put these things into the proper context. I, I do want to talk about one thing he can't control because this is a question we, we actually didn't address this yet. Vince was asking about Malik Monk. Now, I, I want to be very clear that I am only going off of what I have seen JB say in regards to Malik Monk the last week or so. You got to understand, you know, Malik Monk had the drug thing before, what, March, February, something like that? February, March, yeah, he got busted. On top of that, we're not in a bubble. On top of that, there's no training camp. So you're thrusting Malik Monk even into a tougher situation than everybody else is. So with that being said, and as far as what JB has said about Malik Monk, he's trying to work his way back into shape before he throws him out there. So while the fan base is bugging out and and wanting to fire the man over not playing Malik Monk, just know there's a very good reason behind that. He is slowly trying to work Malik Monk back to the point where he can throw him out there. Guys, James Borrego wants to play Malik Monk. We all want to see Malik Monk back out there. Be patient. It will happen. He's coming back, y'all. I I don't think – Borrego wants Jalen McDaniels out there milling around like he's been doing the last few games. I'd rather have the dynamic Malik Monk out there, and I think Borrego would too. What you say is correct. Monk's probably not in great playing shape. That's how players get injured. They come back when they're not in great playing shape. Also, there's a very serious we, – you know, we really haven't talked about Malik Monk and, and drugs because no one knows the details of that situation. You know, right. the team won't right. say it, the league won't say it. Um, and we'll we'll probably never ever know, but we do know that with drug users, those situations are very delicate. The team has yeah. an obligation and a responsibility to put Malik Monk in a, a place where he can succeed and get past whatever it was that happened. If you place him in an overly stressful situation and he's not panning out because he's out of shape, what do you think is going to happen? That that coach that's could that could be a very volatile situation if that yeah. happens, man. And if you absolutely, man, then then that would be Borrego's fault if he were to relapse or something else would happen. I mean, Malik Monk is a grown man and he's in control of his own destiny. But at the same time, this is the NBA. The team is a family, and I know the Hornets like Malik Monk. Uh, else, he wouldn't still be on the team after what happened, and they want to do everything they can to put him in places to succeed. It, it, it's, like, it's like the coaching staff and even the brass in Charlotte. It's like they're in this situation where they almost become counselors too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they're, you, you know, they're not. Don't get me wrong. But you have just such this delicate situation, and you got to handle it with, with care. you got to handle it with extreme care, man. I mean, we, we, we got a team full of babies, and that's why you pay people like Biz and, and Gordon Hayward and, and Cody to kind of stick around to help mentor you through the, through the actual minefields of the NBA. I mean, it's it's it's, it's a lot more complex than, than we can actually imagine. Probably imagine how Lamelo felt when after after his debut, when Gordon Hayward came over to him and spoke to him and dropped some knowledge on. He was, you know, I mean, that's that's yeah. invaluable to get, and that's another thing that Gordon Hayward brings to the team that fans really don't see because we look at some arbitrary numbers. You only average 17 points a game. In <laughs> you know, there were a lot of reasons that the Hornets wanted him to come, and that was one of them. Man, right? man he already broke his hand, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, um, <laughs> so yeah. But, and, and I, I do want to talk about going here real real fast. We only briefly spoke about, about him, but he's averaging, what, 20? I'm 25. Yeah, 
I, after the first three games. And the thing was, a lot of people are like, if you ain't averaging 25 points a game, you ain't what? Well, I mean, I'm just saying. That's what the numbers say. You know? Hey, man, it's game, it's game three, man. Save some smoke, game, man. Hey, man, look, he, he's – right now, he's everything that fans wanted Nick Batum to be. Like, he is that, like, efficient Swiss Army knife that has aggression about him and plays with just so much – like, you look at him, like, he lost a lot of his athleticism from 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 Utah. But, like, it's, it's just like he's not supposed to score 30. <laughs> right, right, right. He's not flashy. He, he can't jump very high. It's like, but I mean, the dude is a bucket. It's like yeah. when there there were times actually where he didn't shoot, where I was like, man, I would he should have just put that on the floor. Yeah, yeah. I think those those moments will be far and few between as we go on. There was a moment late in the game though where he had the ball under the basket. There was a defender on him, and Miles Bridges was wide open in the corner and. Hayward looked at him and was like, "Like, no, like, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm jacking this shit off. I'm, 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 I'm gonna throw this fadeaway up over two people, young man." Hey guys, I got some breaking news, man. Uh, the worst team in the league is three and zero. The Cleveland Cavaliers three and zero. Wow. After that game, I I thought the Hornets, like us fans, just simply underestimated. The, the Cavs. They I got, believe that. They got a young team. They've got some pieces. Um, they're probably just a lot better than we thought. And this happens every year because we all pick the chalk. We look at yep. we look at all the teams that made the playoffs last year, and then we add Washington because they got Russell Westbrook, and there's your playoffs. But it never happens that way. It never nope. happens Absolutely. that way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Teams that are as good as we thought and teams better, and I think Cleveland might be – might be one of those teams. Hey, man, shout, shout, shout out to former uh, 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 temporary Bobcats coach J.B. Bickerstaff leading the charge with the Cavaliers. But, yeah, go ahead, man. And it's, it's, it's just it's, it's, it's going to be a hell of a season. It's going to be a lot of surprises this year. That's, that's all I got to say. It's going to be a roller coaster. It really is. It, it Just for a lot of the reasons Kaiser said and for a lot of the reasons I said, man, because, you know, again, man, there's going to be a lot of schedule losses, there's going to be a lot of young teams that come out of nowhere. You know what I mean? COVID losses too. There's going to be some COVID losses, unfortunately, man. So it's going to be a, a roller coaster this year. It really is. Although the fence pointed out that this was on the back end of a back-to-back, which, you know, against Brooklyn, who had been you know, torn through their first two games, that's a pretty impressive. Uh, mainly because late, you know, on a back-to-back, normally that late fourth quarter, you know, crunch time, the teams get tired. They're kind of winded. Uh, the Hornets did not falter. It, they were close. They almost did. I'm mad at PJ because y'all know I stand for PJ, and I was mad at him for missing those two free throws. It really would have iced the game at that point. But great defensive effort. And I remember thinking on that last inbound, they just got to play the best basketball that they've ever played for five seconds, and they win right. this game. <laughs> and, you know, if you, it would suck if you played 47 uh, – minutes and 55 seconds of great basketball in that last five you don't and that's what happens on a back but yeah I, I i tell you why i don't want to hear that before for this simple reason because in the past it, with 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 past charlotte hornets teams it didn't matter what teams were coming off of back to back and now we lost most of those damn games so yeah, yeah, I, you yeah. know what i mean so so now that we win one against a team that I'm picking to walk to the NBA Finals. I'm not taking anything away from it, man. I'm sorry, man. Look, look. Brooklyn might beat us by 30 next game. For all I know, all I know is tonight we, we played tonight. Exactly, <laughs> and, 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 and we deserve credit for it. Before we end this, we got to talk about the body, the dunk. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. For yeah, well, how are we forgetting? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, people are gonna miss that Lamelo Ball made that play possible. Absolutely. The rebound incredible, just on-point pass. Two, Kevin Durant challenged the dunk. Therefore, the rule I, Look, I, look Kaiser, you, you saw the same comment I saw online. Well, technically, he didn't yeah, really yeah. dunk it. I don't want to hear that. Comments said, well, he didn't. No, 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 no. Kevin Durant <laughs> jumped and challenged the dunk and then got bodied. That's, that's, that's it. 
<laughs> Terry snatches the Achilles. So uh, yeah. we're going to transition to the shout-out portion of the show. We're about to wrap this thing on out. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to Steve Smith Sr. <laughs> man, look, man. Forever my favorite Panther player ever. Forever. Man, look. Ignore Warren Sapp. Look, you're making true statements just doing your job. He asked, what's your playoff record? Hey, what's your Super Bowl records with prostitutes? That's all you got to ask him. <laughs> Game over. Oh, man. Um, I want to shout out everybody that is in the chat right now, everyone who is following us on Twitter, everyone who is following us on Facebook. I want to shout y'all out, man, because y'all literally keep us going. Literally, man. So shout yourselves out, man. Um, just shout out to people who keep supporting us. I do want to. I do have one shout at. I have one shout at. My shout at goes to Nick Batum. Um, <laughs> let me explain something, man. Nick Batum had a game where he had, I believe, thirteen five and six. I think those were the numbers. I I may, I may be a little off with those. We begged Nick Batum to at least give us that. Could, could, could he, he didn't even give us that every other game. If Nick Batum would have gave us that every other game, we probably would have had nothing to say. He didn't even give us 13-5 and 5. We begged for you to give us 13-5 and 5, Nick. So now you went, so now you went to Clippers, and now we I'm seeing this effort on defense. I'm seeing I'm, I'm, I'm seeing you challenge shots. I'm seeing you rebound the ball. I, I, that's it. I'm done. I don't have any more to say. Cause I, I, I'm going to go too far if I, if I say man, anything look, else, man. That Los Angeles water is special. Uh, Kaiser, what's up? Um, this isn't really a shout at, but I do. I just want to briefly speak on something. So, you know, here under construction, we, we've been doing this uh, almost two years now, which almost, is crazy yeah. if, if you think about it. And we, we we say this all the time. We're not, not journalists. We're we're fans, but we put we do put. Oh, sorry about that. I had a, I had, a I had a glitch. Uh, we do put a lot of work into our show and our research, and generally we know what we talk what we're talking about. And we understand how hard it is for content creators to get put on on these platforms, especially mm -hmm. being black and dealing with sports media. It's really 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 tough okay so i don't want to denigrate anyone who's trying to break into these fields in fact i'd love to build with you guys and we can all help each other but i know where you're going i know where you're going <laughs> you gotta know what they're talking about brother you can't not know the names of the tight ends on your team and then get mad because teddy bridgewater is not passing to him that's my favorite <laughs> You gotta watch every game, bro. You ain't got to watch all things like I do. But you gotta at least know who Ian Thomas is if you're gonna talk to me about Teddy Bridgewater uh got the highest completion of his career. Oh no, no, no. We can debate that all day. If you wanna be just two guys to talk about sports, fine. That's fine. You hey, you can do that, brother. But you ain't gonna so debate sports on Twitter with us if you, I'm just so what you're saying is if you want to start a podcast about said subject you actually might want to know something about said subject and not just want to do that it, it helps it helps a little bit here's the thing I'm uh, I mean I, I'm no no shade if, if the shoe fits you can lace it up I'm just saying <laughs> that if you want to debate sports with me you got to come with more than I don't even know the names of the tight ends on the go. Or, or, or whoever. So all I'm saying is that you know get get your chops up, get your game up, and then we we can debate on Twitter. We can shake hands and have a beer and celebrate the Hornets and Panthers after that. That's all I got. Oh man, what? look, man, look! It's almost the end of the new. It's, it's almost the new year. Um, hopefully, uh, as David Newton would say, uh, Teddy can get that help that that he needs on the field. <laughs> Anything else before we slide out here, fellas? Ah, uh, man, that's a great way to end the show, man. A happy new year. I hope everyone had a great uh, holiday season. And we got big, big things happening next year. Let's just get 2020 the hell up out of here. And 
and attack the new year with some vigor. So, man, real real quick, man, shout out to Vince, man. The, Vince doing his thing on the YouTube videos, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah no doubt, man. So, what was you about to say, Rodney? So, man, look, what if we wake up on December 32nd, 2020? What, what, what would happen? The Hornets still would have beat the Brooklyn Nets, so I wouldn't care. They're pretty much, pretty much. After that, the world could just go to shit, and who cares? Yeah. We beat the Nets, so yeah. We the Eastern Conference champs. All right, guys, man. Look, man. Happy New Year to everybody. We wish you a prosperous 2021. We'll see you next week, and uh, hopefully, the Panthers and the Hornets win again. Peace out. Peace, Peace out, y'all.